movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing, too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have... They also have, finish, if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person. How-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always, until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. I have my good friend Jason with me. Say hello to everyone, Jason. Hello, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And for tonight's podcast episode, we're actually going to be doing a review on Pixar's new movie, Soul. This movie actually came out on December 25th, the same day as Wonder Woman. This was actually one of my other anticipated films, aside from Wonder Woman 1984. And this movie stars Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, and then, of course, this movie also clocks in an hour and 40 minutes long, which is actually perfect for a runtime for something like this, because when you look at the Pixar movies and stuff like that, you actually think of the runtime about two hours long, especially when you're dealing with like movies like Coco and other films, but this movie's actually an hour and 40 minutes, which is something that I really like. You can actually take in some of the deep cuts that they actually put into this movie and a lot of heart and soul, if you will, into this film, and... You know, that's something that I really appreciated from this movie is that it does have a lot of heart in it. As a matter of fact, matter of fact the main character is named Joe. He's a middle school band teacher whose life hasn't quite gone the way he expected it to go. His passion is jazz, He's good, and he's good at it. But when he travels to another realm to help 22 find her passion, and he soon discovers what it means to actually have a soul. But also, too, how does he actually get into the other realm and everything? He actually, actually, some stuff winds up happening to where his life is actually coming together a little bit for him. And then he winds up stepping on a manhole and he winds up supposedly dying and going into the other realm. So the opening scene, I really have to say, was really good. I've liked how the, they first introduced us to Joe. He's actually a band teacher and he's actually trying to inspire other kids to actually. Uh, go with jazz and stuff like that. There's actually this one girl who is actually the only one that's pretty much passing inside that whole entire room about what she's doing because when she gets up and she plays her horn and everything, that trombone, it was just awesome to actually see her play that. What about you, man? What did you think? Uh, her name was Connie, by the way. Connie, yeah. um, that scene, um, I, I, well, just to back up a second, I love how they it, they changed up the Pixar intro to where mm-hmm. instead of it instead of it being like the traditional uh, professional music, it was the middle school. It was Joe saying, "Okay, from literally from the top," and like it's an it's a middle school band playing the Pixar music. I thought that was really cute. And yeah, Connie was the first one that um, that stood out in that scene, and she kind of introduced us to the the concept of inspiration because, like, you could tell Joe was just really bored, and Connie inspired joe and that's why he started telling the story of when he was a kid at the half note club so it was a great beginning i love that whole entire scene too because he's like oh i don't like jazz i don't want nothing to do with jazz up until his father actually drags him into his jazz club and everything and then he gets inspired to actually have a spark 
they actually want to do jazz. And that's something that I really liked was the fact that he found his spark through his father, who also get, yeah. had a spark for jazz. And it's inspirational. I, I like the fact yeah. of how it's actually relatable, because how many of our own parents actually drag us out to something that we may not like? Yeah. And then before yeah. you know it, we wind up having the same kind of act that they do for something that maybe their hobbies or their music and stuff like that. And we're just influenced by what they like. So it's very relatable. I, that's yeah. something that I have to say too. My mom did that to me. Like when I was five years old, she, she took me to the movies and I have a very distinct memory of being five years old and my mom waking me up saying, Hey, we're going to go see Yoda. And we went and saw Return of the Jedi. I can remember that day vividly. So I, I connect with Joe on that very deeply. Cause I had, I had the same thing happen when I was five. That's awesome, man. Uh, hold on. Tara says hello. Let's see. Hey, Tara, hello, Tara. how you doing? And let's see. by the way, something... even even more guest starring tonight is Lloyd. <laughs> and Lloyd is adorable. His little yeah. his little puppy is actually adorable. Um, so that's actually something that is actually re relatable to me as well. Like the very first movie I actually saw was the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie. Michael oh, okay. Keaton. So right. I was able to relate to that as well with with you with Return of the Jedi. I wish I was actually born during that era because mm. I would actually be eating popcorn with you and stuff in my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but you know, it is what it is. But I like the fact that you know it's he's relate. Uh, these characters are actually relatable, like I said. Oh, yeah. But Joe is just one of those people that I feel like that people can gravitate towards. Because we always feel like things are not going right in our lives or anything like yeah. that. So, you know. I, I, I want to say something real quick about Joe. And the, let me preface this with, I told you, I took seven pages of notes of this. There's there's too much. There's too much of this movie. I don't just think too much on this podcast. <laughs> I, there's way too much. But I pulled it down to three points. But something I want to say about Joe that's just so important is that finally we had an African-American uh, cast. We had an African-American uh, Pixar film and something that Sandra Bullock said about the Black Panther was that her adopted kids that are African-American finally had something to look up to in the superhero realm and I had to believe that the kids watching this must be going through the same thing, that they had something right. that they could relate to on a deeper level. So I just right, to I can actually that. Yeah, yeah, that's actually something I was thinking about too and matter of fact, I was thinking, okay, when we were introduced in the world of Coco, we actually had the Day of the Dead. We had the whole entire uh, Spanish mm -hmm. traditions and stuff. With this I one, I was thinking, seen, okay. I haven't seen Coco yet, by the way. I haven't seen that one yet. It's, it's a great film. But, you know, they always get us with these themes and everything when you look at movies and stuff yeah. like that with the Pixar movies. Yeah. But what I appreciate, what I thought uh, that I was going to be introduced to was the world of New Orleans. Because of jazz, because of blues, I, the whole New York bit actually enhanced my experience a lot more because of the fact that they did a whole misdirection for me because of the fact that it didn't take place in New Orleans like I thought. It took place I, in New York. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of that. So I like that that they actually fooled me with that. Uh, let's see here. Tara says that she loves Black Panther. That was an amazing movie. Yes, it was. That was a fantastic movie. One of my favorite movies of that year. Um, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. Definitely. Um, so another thing, too, is this. Once we, he gets into that manhole and everything, and then he ends up in the great beyond. And I like at first how they have like this little uh escalator going up into the great beyond and there's this yeah. uh, white light and i like uh -huh. whenever he's just looking up he's looking up at it, he goes what's that and i was like that's the great beyond i've been waiting my whole life for this that's the great white and all of a sudden you see them being zapped like mosquitoes and then yeah, he's yeah, yeah. trying to get away and then of yeah. course that's when he winds up into the great before where yeah. he meets jerry I, I want to back up for a second. I just wanted to say I thought it was very respectful to all religions that they they conquered death in the afterlife without uh, it being any one religion or spirituality. It was right. very respectful in that sense. Sorry, I mean I'm going to interrupt you four. I'm going to interrupt you four thousand hey. times tonight. I have extreme ADD, so dude, it's fine. Interrupt me as much as you want. You know, just oh, be okay. yourself. You're fine, dude. You're fine, man. All right, but you know, um. 
I, that's something I have to admit, though, too, was the unity with everybody. Everybody was, like, in one unity together, experiencing yeah. this whole entire thing with them being into the great beyond, which is something that people, I really respected. They had people that spoke a different language, too, so it wasn't just yep. any one race, right. religion, creed. It, they had different kind of people. It was very right. inclusive, and, and it's diversity in this film. Definitely very diverse. The casting is very diverse as well. I also liked it, too, when, of course, I also want to back up a little bit, though, too, because even then you actually see a little bit of what's going on with Joe at the very mm -hmm. beginning where he's afraid of, afraid of his mom because his mom's always putting him down because she's always saying, oh, there's always one more gig. This one's big, yep. bigger than the next. The only ones yep. that actually have his back is his mom's friends who actually works in that tailor shop. Lulu and, and Gabby. Lulu and Gabby. Yep. And I love those two characters to death because yeah. they're like, we have your back, Joe. We're we gonna we're gonna fully support you no matter what. We don't care what your mom says or anything. That's something that I really liked about it. They encourage him, give him confidence. But whenever he gets in that room with her, he just totally just shuts down. And then also yeah. too, at first I didn't know what to make of the jazz singer that he was actually auditioning for because at first she kind of seemed kind of douchey. And then once he started getting the rhythm going. Okay. And everything on the piano. Once he gets into that zone that he gets in with playing the piano, she's actually feeling the vibe with Joe. Yeah. They're both zoning in to the moment and everything. So it actually feels like they actually have some chemistry built onto that set. At yeah. first, I'm like, okay, she's really pressuring him. Yeah. And everything. I feel like that she was kind of being douchey a little bit, but yeah. that's just the way that I was receiving it. I don't know if you received it differently. Uh, for, I made a mistake. It was Lulu and Melba. Her, the, the two okay. ladies outside their names were Lulu and Melba. And um, I just, we're going to, you already know that one of my most prominent things that I noticed in this film had to do with the mom. And we'll go into that later. I've gone on and on about it. But um, <clears throat> the influences of, uh, of external contributing factors has so much to do with this movie. And it's reflected in 22 and Joe and how, Joe affected 22 and how 22 affected Joe. So I, I can go on and on. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so now we're just going to go on ahead, go into the great. Um, we, we talked about the great beyond, but now great we're going to go into the great before. And that's something that I really thought was actually pretty cool yeah. was how, you know, all of a sudden he winds up supposedly cheating death uh, and everything because he winds up going into the great before and then, of course, that's when he goes into that seminar uh, where he actually has to take on the responsibility of trying to spark somebody, another soul to go in, down to Earth. Instead of, dying, and, instead of dying, he became a, he chose to become a mentor. Right, which I thought was actually pretty cool. By the way, I loved the Jerry's. I don't know if you noticed <laughs> this, but the, the Jerry's were in control of the souls, and they did the same, quiet coyote, quiet coyote. Yeah. That was, and they were like, hell, hell, hell. That was just, <laughs> I, I started this whole thing with saying there's too much to go into with, with this movie, especially for someone with ADD. But yeah, the, just the great before had a lot of great stuff. The great before had a lot of great stuff going on. I love the Jerry's. And also too, uh, who was the counter? The guy who was actually doing the counting? Terry, the accountant. Terry. Yeah, the accountant part Terry. made me laugh though too. And he seems all proudful of himself. I never made a mistake before. I never missed one single number. If and you the Jerry's the, are just messing with them. <laughs> the, uh, the trophy he decided that, that he gets, he's the one that decided to give to himself. But, right. But that, that was his purpose in life. That was his spark. Right. His whatever is counting. And the, like I told you before, there was no uh, antagonist in this film. So Terry no. was kind of the, Terry was the kind of the closest thing we had to an antagonist in this. Right, because but all he wanted to do was set the wrong things right and put everything back in order. But so he was just doing purpose. his job. That's his right, purpose. right. By the that's way, what I'm saying. I'm, I'm fighting a double ear infection, so I'm constantly drinking fluids. So I'm not getting drunk. It's okay. on you. I'm drinking fluids. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was actually pretty cool. But then I liked how he actually has to mentor 21, and 21 goes through all the people that were trying to mentor her. Yeah. Like uh, the, the Muhammad Ali bit, yeah. Like Twenty. Whenever he did went the went to the uh, Muhammad Ali bit, and she goes, he goes, that's it. He just throws off his gloves. I'm done. Uh, 
yeah, yeah. And then the Mother Teresa <laughs> when she was, uh, bit <laughs> yeah. was actually funny too. They all gave up on her and everything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I also like the like the part where you know he winds up where Joe winds up asking her, "How do you wind up?" talking like a middle-aged woman goes, Oh, I can change my voice to different uh, voices. And then she mimics him. Uh-huh. I actually <laughs> and then read. Goes... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then she mimics him and then she get in, in, but this is what she says. She said, but this one's annoys everybody. So I'm just going to keep this one. <laughs> a middle-aged white lady, a 20, yeah, a middle-aged white lady. That, that, they did that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I read about that. That was actually pretty funny. I thought that was yeah, yeah. that actually added to the character because it makes her sound like she's a lot more grown up than being yeah. a actually a personality in somebody else's head whenever she goes onto Earth to be a uh, to be a child. So I thought that was actually pretty yeah. uh, pretty yeah. cool that they actually did that. Um, then there's actually the other stuff that I really liked about this movie too was the fact that you know, as he's going through the motions of trying to get that spark for her, he's like, mm -hmm. well, what about basketball? No. The Knicks. What about <laughs> the Knicks? Oh, yeah, that's whenever they go into the zone part, though. Yeah, but this yeah. is oh, just yeah. that her them trying to find her spark, though, because yeah. remember, he goes, what about um, bagel shops? Oh, I always wanted to work at a bagel shop. So that way I know when the government's going to shut down, I, can, I know that I'll be out of business. I'm that like, was the library. That was the library. Yeah, the library. Right. And then she goes, well, I always wanted to tell people, shh. <laughs> <laughs> and then she does it to Joe. <laughs> right. And the cool thing about that, though, is the score. When she does the whole bit, the score also quiets down, too, and breaks away oh. a little bit. I, and everything. I don't know if that. you noticed that. No, no, yeah. no, no. It actually does, like, a little skip, and... It goes back to being kind of loud, and then she does it again, and it kind of uh, skips again. So I thought that was Dynamics, actually pretty cool yeah. that they went yeah, around yeah, with yeah. the character. But then the gymnastics thing, she goes, nah. Nah. And then... The firefight, but, I want to make the fire grow. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you know, they go into the whole entire zone thing, which I was, which is something that I really like, the zone. When we all get into our zones and everything, we're just glued into either acting yeah. or we're actually yeah. glued into our performances and everything. We go into a place in their, their realm called the zone, uh, uh, the zone. And in the zone, and in the zone and everything, that's when, you know, you're really glued into everything. But something always messes it up. To the yeah. point where you might actually forget something. And that's when 22 goes on ahead and throws something at you to make you forget your line. For instance, the Romeo and Juliet bit. Line! And, everything. and, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also the Knicks, which was my favorite part of the part, though, too. Where she throws something at the Knicks player, and then all of a sudden he just misses the slam dunk. Because I've been messing with them for years. <laughs> so, and the Knicks lose again. <laughs> you know what? From now on, whenever I actually forget something, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame 22 for every single you time should. I forget something. You should. That's what I'm probably gonna do. Uh, but you know, I I like that part. The originality behind the different realms was really good. Uh, oh. I also liked it when Moonwind comes into play. Uh, I thought he was actually pretty cool for like a hippie that's actually just meditating out in New York City. And Moonwind star dancer. Yeah, Star Dancer. And he just comes in on this big pirate ship. And, you know, and 22 goes on board. And I like how he actually was able to bring different uh, different people back to their bodies and everything, but their souls back yeah. into their body. Yeah. And especially whenever the office, whenever this guy is dead, he comes back to life and in the office area. And he's just like, you know what? I just had a breakthrough. Everybody, mm -hmm. just put your stuff down. What are you yeah. doing? Next thing you know, he goes berserk inside the office. Because he was then, a lost soul. He was a lost right. soul. His his passion became an obsession. And he became a lost soul, and they fixed it because it was a Tuesday, and they could do that. Right. <laughs> and that, and get this, get this. We're actually doing this on a Tuesday, which also I represents know. the movie. On Tuesdays we dance. Anyway, anywho, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So. Then after that winds up happening, he uh, the 
you know, we actually have Moonwind, Star Dancer. He goes on ahead and draws a circle for Joe, and he realizes that he's actually dead. So we never actually put someone that's already dead into and back into a soul before. So he actually had to go through a different way and different process of doing it, which is meditation inside that realm with Joe. And then as Joe saw himself, he immediately was like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hop right back in and everything. And then all of a sudden 22 is in his body and then he's in the cat body and it's totally bonkers. I think though that from Joe's point of view though, I don't think Joe knew if he was dead or alive. I I think that he just knew that he went to the great beyond. I don't think that he knew that he was still alive. And in fact, they even no. made reference like, oh, Joe, you're dead. And he kind of was like, ah. But um, Joe was still <laughs> alive. He was just in a coma. Right. And he got so right. excited as as, um, uh, as uh, Moonwind was trying to help them get into their bodies. He got overly excited. And that's when the great snafu happens. And Joe right. goes into Miss, Mr. Mittens and 22 goes into <laughs> Joe's body. Which I thought was really funny because it's like reincarnation in a sense. And that's and, when the whole the whole change of perspective happens, where it's like every it, there's a lot of perspective shifts in this movie, a lot of them. And that's that's you know that was a great little uh, gag when when uh, Joe goes into the body of the cat. Just tons of hijinks happens after that. Right, especially when he wakes up out of the coma, and mm-hmm. Joe's trying to tell him what to do and what not to say, and he goes. He goes, you know what? I woke up like this. Joe's in the cat. And the woman's like, okay, we're just going to have to hold you in for psychiatric help. Maybe that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little too well. But but then, you know, the cat's over there. What are you doing? You're crazy. You're going to wind up putting me in a nut house. And then all you see is... (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I definitely love that. That was actually, that's something I was wondering about though too, was when we got into the cat's body and he was talking to 22, I was wondering if the, if regular people would actually hear Joe or if they would actually hear the aspect of the cat. So I'm actually glad that they actually did it to the aspect of the cat rather than hearing Joe. It's that play it on gives perspective it more again. It's right. play on perspective again, yeah. And then what? Well, we don't know how long Joe has actually been laying down there in that bed, so he needs a lot of therapy just to get around. And he and twenty yeah. two's over there in this tall, lanky body. He also doesn't yeah. know how to actually operate Joe. It's kind of like operating uh, a crane for the very first time without an OSHA license. And and you know he's trying to do steer the wheels and everything. It's just not working out. And then of course he's yeah. also in a hospital gown. He walks out of the thing. And he's not used to the noises either. Yeah, when the so doors open up and they go out, when they go out to New York City, twenty two is just completely on overload. Like, oh my god, what, like, what, what is going on? And that's something that I thought that was actually pretty cool. But to me, when twenty two is just experimenting with the subway, when he's also yeah. experimenting with the breeze from underneath, that reminds me of something of just. Treasuring the little things that actually matter that we actually take for granted every single day because we yeah. never know when our day is the last day that we're actually going to be able to do something like go down the subway, ride with everybody, yeah. or, right? So that's something that I was thinking of whenever I was watching that. And also, also too, like I said, I liked it whenever he first tried the pizza. I thought wow. that was really good. Yeah. Because remember, there's no taste or smell in the grape uh, before either. Before, yeah. So they couldn't smell the... So it takes away, like if you're training a person, a soul, it takes a lot to actually try and train this person to actually be excited for Earth without uh-huh. texture, without taste mm-hmm. and everything. So we're going to get into the, that later on. The pizza crust mm-hmm. is the first thing that 22 puts in her pocket. Because at the end of the film, she's got all the things in her pocket that she loved. And the pizza crust is the first thing that she kept. Right. And that's something that I actually enjoyed was the pizza crust scene. And then, you know, he's he's hubbed over into that little alley, little stoop, eating the pizza. And then after that happens, they go over to his mom's tailor's shop. Yep. I believe. 
And, you know, because of the fact that when they went up to his apartment, his, well, they, well, he tried on the clothes and everything, of course. The clothes felt, felt kind of tight. And then whenever 22 went on ahead and bent down, whenever they were leaving, his, uh, his pants ripped. So therefore yeah. they had to go to his mom's tailor shop. Yeah. And 22's like, it's okay. It'll be fine and everything. We can go to your mom's and everything. He goes, no, we can't go there. We cannot go to my mom's. I'm not going to go to my mom's. But 22 is like a fear is fearless. She doesn't care. Yeah. She, to me, she actually, uh, actually boosted his confidence to actually stand yeah. up to his mother. Yeah, which is yeah, something yeah, that yeah. I really like. <laughs> yep. And I like when we actually see the name, those two characters again, that was from the Taylor shop. Uh, Lulu. And um, I called her Melba a- a- earlier. Accidentally. Yep. Uh, Lulu. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, Lulu and Melba. And All right. And I like that. When Lu- right. And which one did he actually kiss? Because remember when one of the characters say, tell him, hey, look, can you give me a kiss? And they think that he's going to give her a kiss on the cheek. Instead, yeah, yeah. he gives her a full-blown kiss. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure which one it <laughs> was, yeah. Me either. But I thought that was actually pretty funny. And then he goes into yeah. his where his mom is. And that's, that's when... when that, that beautiful scene happens that I, I saw... No, I don't think anyone else caught it. I didn't catch it the first time, but there's this beautiful shift on perspective that I told you about, and I don't know if this is where we put that in, but there's a scene Yeah, we can play So, okay, the first time I watched this movie, I didn't catch this, but the second time it happened, there's something that happened, and I literally had to rewind it. I was like, wait a second. Uh, Joe's voice is coming out of Joe's body. I was like, what? So I rewound it, and um, 22... Uh, and Joe are trying to talk to the mom, and Joe Joe is trying to tell the cat, you know, uh, Joe, it's so hard, it's so, so hard to describe, but uh, Joe, as uh, Mr. Mittens, says, okay, tell mom this, and then the camera pans, and it goes behind the mom's head, and as it does that, that's when the voice changes from coming out of Mr. Mittens' uh, mouth to uh, it's it, long story. Long story short, the shift in perspective goes from the audience to the mom. We're seeing it from the mom's perspective, hearing Joe's voice coming out of Joe's body, and it's the simplest thing. But man, I just it was one of my three favorite parts of the whole movie because it really demonstrated one of the main themes of this movie being that we all have different perspectives, and that sometimes our own perspective shifts because of someone else. That's true. Because don't forget, we've seen her pretty much downplay him, putting him down to the point where he has like zero confidence in himself yep. and things like mm-hmm. that. And I Which just is, feel, feel bad for the guy. But that's exactly what Joe does to 22 when she has her epiphany. Right. And she's like, oh, I love all these things. And Joe's like, that, those, those aren't sparks. That's not this. And that's what sets her up to become a lost soul. So it's funny how right. all these things kind of parallel into each other. This movie is filled with that. It definitely is. Another thing, though, too, we didn't actually catch. Remember when Joe's going through all his memories, though, too? And he actually says, my life was meaningless. And I'm like, wow, how many of us actually go through that where we think that our life is actually more than what we are or we are more than what our life is? I'm glad you brought that up because that's at the beginning of the movie where at first they're seeing life through Dr. Bjornstein's life, but he's like, Hey, I want to show you my life. So 22 makes him touch that thing. And we see the reflection of Joe's life. And if you notice, it's all of Joe's failures and it's kind Mm -hmm. of sad and depressed in tone. And if you notice one of the things that he remembers is this very passive little scene where he's sad and alone and he's eating a piece of pie. At the end, when he's thinking of all the beautiful thing that happens, it shows him eating the piece of pie and enjoying it. It's this beautiful parallel that goes back to the beginning that that it wasn't so bad to begin with. It ended up taking a really sad part of his life that he thought was a failure, and it was really one of the beautiful things. That pie thing got me at the end. Right, because it's like looking in the mirror, right? Where it's like the outside looking in kind of thing into our life that we never thought we would actually look at from that perspective before. So that's something that I'm I'm glad that you actually brought up, though, too, where Joe's actually looking into a mirror of his life and he's reflecting on everything that he's done. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. Uh, So 
So now we're going to talk about the whole entire setup where Joe winds up. Like, I also like the part, though, too, where he's in the barber chair and everything, Dez. too. Yeah, Dez. but it is. It is. And he thought that his spark was cutting here, but then he finds out that that was not his spark at all. It was veterinarian school. And Joe was like, wow, I thought that your spark was barbering. He goes, well, it was cheaper to go to barbering school than veterinarian school because of the fact that I have kids now. And then also, too, I liked it when 22 is also panicking because of the fact that, you know, it was his first time having his haircut or her haircut, Mm -hmm. rather. And so he he goes, hey, can I have one of those suckers? Can I have one of those? The the lollipops. Pop. And next thing you know, when he's just talking about life, how he was going deep. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. everybody in that side of that shop is like, man, what's in those lollipops? <laughs> Did you notice the uh, the Colin Kaepernick reference? There's literally a character that's not standing, but sitting in the in the barber chair. It it, it was based off of Colin Kaepernick on purpose. That was a I didn't beautiful th- reference. I need to actually see that. I need to actually go back and rewatch that part. That's the thing about that. this movie. That's the thing about this movie. You watch it a couple of times. Like today was my third time to watch it, and it's just you keep. It's like an onion. It's just got tons of layers to it. It does, and it's so deep, man. And this this movie is very deep. Probably most the deepest Pixar movie I've seen. Oh, absolutely. And everything, and we're gonna get to that later on. Because I actually want to ask you a question towards the deepness of the movie and stuff like that. Okay. okay. But uh, here's another thing, though, too. You know, she winds up having that. Where does she get the donut at? That's another thing I forgot. It when... wasn't. It, w- it wasn't a donut. It was a bagel. Bagel. Yeah. Where does she get the bagel from? I can't remember where she gets it. I just know that it plays into the scene where um, uh, they go down to the subway and she listens to music. Uh, vicariously mm-hmm. through Joe's body and the the guy that sing, I believe it's John Baptiste that's singing. John Baptiste is the guy that does all the jazz. Um, she gets so enamored that she breaks off a piece of the bagel which she loves and gives to him so selflessly and puts it in uh, the guitar case. Right. Um, I don't I, I don't know where they I don't know where they grab the bagel, but I just know that the bagel uh it, it, that's where he kind of shows up in the guitar case and she puts right. part of it in her she it's one of the there's actually seven things in the end at the end of the movie there's seven things in her pocket that i will go into it later but yeah right <laughs> because that's also another moving thing is towards the end of that movie though too and then of course you know we have the whole entire lead up to where joe winds up saying well those are not um sparks those are just everyday things everyday life that's not when she has when she has the epiphany at the maple tree. Right. Right. And the maple tree I, thing. Eyeballed. I, just I, crying. Just crying. Because if you notice the whole element of changing out of the old brown suit, which represented the old Joe, and going into Joe's father's suit, which so much symbolism in that, and the fact that the mom helped her do it. And they get done with it, and they go to the Half Note Club, and he's about to go in and have his dream. And that's when 22 sits on the porch, and she has this, this – the song is literally called Epiphany uh, on the soundtrack by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And she looks across. She sees a little girl swinging, and then she looks over. She sees two friends laughing and, and making a joke, and then the wind blows, and the leaves rustle, and she looks up. And she sees the tree, and the most beautiful thing happens. The falling, spinning uh, maple seed leaves are falling, which is total total symbolism for the souls falling to earth. And then it happens. The leaf, uh, the seedling falls into her, her hand, and that's when it happens. And Joe literally says, hey, are you ready to go home now? Which means, hey, are you ready to go to earth now? Right. This movie is an onion. Just so many layers to this. It, it definitely is, man. I and hold on, this is what Tara had said, though, too. She said, that is what I like about movies, because there's so many details that every, every time you watch, there's different things that you don't remember that, that are part in the movie. I agree. I agree with yeah. you on that. So do I. So do I. And also, um, I, I talked to other people. I have a really good friend named Michelle. 
um, about the movie. And something that really touched her was the Lost Souls part about how people that have passions that become obsessions. And when, when your passion leads to obsession, you disconnect from your soul. And like, that's what happens to the hedge funder at the end. And, and you right. feel like you lo- that's when you lose your purpose in life. I didn't even think of that c- until my friend Michelle had mentioned it. And so when I went back and I rewatched it, mm. I just, the movie is just so profoundly deep. It's just incredible. <laughs> it is. And you know what? I always said this to somebody because of the fact that there was this Facebook group I was a part of at one time. But ultimately, this person's hobby, which is the group, ultimately became the obsession that actually destroyed her reputation, destroyed everything. And before you know it, that Facebook group is gone and demolished because of her attitude, because of her whole entire ego and everything else. So that was actually relatable towards that for me, for that part. So I was able to actually gravitate towards that. You can't let your passion become an obsession because that's when the disconnect happens. And, yep. and this is a kids movie. This is this is a cartoon, right. and it's just so. I feel like this was see, more for the grown-ups, almost. You know, right? And you see, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you feel like this movie would be too deep for kids to not comprehend to the the point where they're just not even going to be worried about the plot or Joe or anything like that? They're not going to be even consumed by the colors. They're probably going to end up falling asleep watching this movie because they're not having any idea or concept what this movie's about. Um, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I could see where someone could think that. And truly as a 42 year old, I'll never know. But my, my honest opinion is I think that kids are, um, I think kids are smart enough to be able to watch and catch things. And I think that the children are going to grow up with this movie. And as they grow, because how many times has this person's kid, watch Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. They watch these movies a billion times. I really think that the kids are going to grow up and watching this, and I think that's the beauty of it. I think it's going to change for them. I think that the kids' perspective is going to change through their life, and that this movie is going to change and morph and develop, and we're going to... My dog is going nuts. And I think that the okay. kids are going to... I, 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 I see what you're saying, that it may... It may, you know, and it may go. I think my dog has to pee. <laughs> I think that the, yeah, you know, that wouldn't may, be good. <laughs> I think I think it may. It could go over some kids' heads. I, I was the little dumb kid. You know, I was. You know, when I saw Return of the Jedi, I was just I, like, oh, puppets. But there's a lot of extremely <laughs> intelligent kids out there that are going to catch all these things. So that's the right. beauty of it. It's 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 going to be different for every little kid around the world. You know, right. it's going to, and the more they watch it, the, the more that they're going to catch on. Right. Especially with the diversity be, that we talked about. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's not going to be a stale, stagnant watch once movie. I, I really see kids growing up with this one. Right. I could probably see that as well. But and, and to be, I'm wondering about. I don't, one thing I do, I do feel very strongly about, I do not want to see a sequel to this movie. No, I do not no, want no, a no. sequel to this. Do not sequel this. This, at the very end, when Jerry asked him what he's going to do with his life, and he says, I'm going to live every minute of it. That's it. Boom, done. Right. Do not make a soul part two. It's just. No. No. Then it becomes soulless. (laughs) No, no, no pun intended. But I'm done. But, you know, I just feel like that is one and done. I think this movie is perfect the way it is. Also, too, when Joe actually realizes what he did and caused the pain, same pain that his own mother caused him, and he did it to her, did it to 22. Mm -hmm. Yep. It broke me in shambles because of the fact that, you know, as as he's going through this whole entire darkness with her, you see Mm -hmm. every single person that was trying to be a mentor towards her. Uh And look at all the damage and everything that was done to her. Yeah, yeah, and everything. Yeah, it re- and I'm like, it really, I wonder why. Right. It re- it really shows how everyone in this world can affect and inspire and inspire or derail other people. Right. I can definitely see that, and also too, like I was mentioning, was you know how many of us actually cause damage with our own insecurities and everything that was done to us and we reflect it back to somebody else. Absolutely. And everything yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. So that's another thing. Uh, let's see here. Tara said, 
I was never really quick at picking up the plot of the movie over time. I eventually will figure it out. That's true. Yeah, I, I think um, that, that is a beautiful metaphor for life, by the way, because none of us mm-hmm. figure out, you know, like we just beautiful. Metaphor it's a game of life. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And so, OK, we got into the Lost Souls part. Joel, Joe actually has to go ahead and try and persuade 22 to go to Earth. And everything because at that point she actually does earn her badge. Like once you see the badge and everything, mm-hmm. and that was something that was just beautiful. And he's like, "Wait, how did you earn your badge?" And then I also like how Joe is also glued in on the piano, playing the the piano and meditating. That's when he lays Always out the fun. seven the, the seven elements: yep. the bagel, the lollipop, the spool, the metro card, the take one paper, the pizza crust, and the maple tree seedling. Each one of those things right. put together, because the whole point was your spark isn't your purpose. It was all of those things that put together. That's how she got her Earth Pass. All of those things right. put together. Right. And that's what makes you who the person you are. Yeah. That absolutely. makes you have that spark. That's the thing. Yeah. It's the little things and in I, life that we miss mm-hmm. and everything, too. And, I love the symbolism behind the. I love that the symbolism represented love. I love that the, the lollipop uh, represented Des and what she learned in the chair. The spool of thread represented the mom. The metro card represented the man that yelled at her. That got her excited. Uh, the take one, the man with the van thing. The pizza crust representing Joe, and the and of course the maple, the maple tree seedling. Just when he laid them out and he plays the piano, it's just. Once again, tears. Just, just, right. just have a good cry. It's total empathy. I mean, like, I oh. think it's beautifully well named. I think it's a perfect uh, title for that song, and everything. I think it's perfect. And so now we got that. What else did you want to add to it? Uh, I, I will say this: uh, I bought the uh, the vinyl soundtrack, which I have behind me. Um, the first time I listened to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's score. I listened to the whole thing on vinyl. And what's crazy is that the first song that stuck out to me that struck a chord was just this random song called Epiphany. At this point, I had not seen the movie at all whatsoever, but Epiphany on the piano, just it really moved me. So when I watched the movie, mm-hmm. as the, the maple seedlings fall, I was like, man, this is just, it's just between the, the, maple, tree seed, the maple tree seedlings fall and then when Joe's at the piano and he spreads out the seven elements in front of him, just very powerful stuff. It really is. And you know what? I didn't even know Trent actually was the composer for this movie up until you bought the vinyl and yep. you actually posted it. And yep. I'm like, wow, I have to get the soundtrack now because I like when Trent actually goes ahead and does the scores for movies and things like that, especially with the girl yep. with the dragon tattoo yep. for the North yep. American version. I love that yeah. soundtrack. I, uh, you know me, you and I, are both big Nine Inch Nails fans, anyways. Love but, them, you know, love them. And and really, uh, Nine Inch Nails is just Trent Reznor. Uh, Trent Reznor right. is the person that made the, like the entire album of like the first four or five albums. Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor actually worked on a project together called Ghosts, and it was completely uh-huh. imp- it was actually completely improv. They made it all up on the spot. If you buy the album, the first, the first, the very first Ghost album, it's actually all improv. They did it on the spot. It was actually the audition for him uh, to do the soundtrack for the Social Network. That's how he got the uh, Social Network job, mm. and he actually ended up record- recording it and releasing it as an album. And then one of the songs ended up becoming the Little Nas song. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? The Little Nas uh, Billy Ray Cyrus song. Yeah. 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 So, I, I know um, what you're talking about. Uh, just there's a reason why Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross have an Oscar for doing what they do. I mean, right? Just obviously, you've got the, the shirt on. <laughs> Trent is just, and, and here's the thing: it's it just it wasn't just Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. There's a jazz musician named John Baptiste that did all the jazz arrangements. It just okay, ex- excellent music. This film had you know excellent what? music. I thought that I heard a little bit of ghosts coming from some of those themes with Trent mm-hmm. and him. So yeah. that actually makes sense now, now that you actually yeah. mentioned that he was actually a part of Ghost. 
Because I remember hearing aspects of that on the soundtrack and then referring back over to Ghost and everything. No, I mean, no, no, I'm talking about the Nine Inch Nails album called Ghosts. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Okay, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I'm talking about. And, yeah, I'm talking about how yeah. – I'm talking about the similarities between the two of them, about how they sound similar in a sense to where they both reference each other. Do you know what so I that just realized? I'm What's sorry, that? I just I just had my own like epiphany. The whole entire <laughs> ghost album was improv. They just made it up. And this movie is all about improv improv improvised music. I just caught that. It's just so <laughs> it's just of course. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh Dorothea Williams, the character Dorothea Williams, she plays the uh, the tenor sax. That was actually one of the instruments that Trent plays. He plays the when he was in high school, he played the, his grandmother put him on piano lessons, but he also played tenor sax as well as the tuba. Right. Another thing, though, too, is when Connie comes over to visit Joe and everything, too, 22 actually encouraged her to stay with it, even though she's actually pretending to actually make her quit the band. And she was like, I hate music. She didn't like music, but she actually ended up inspiring her to stay in. Just, yeah. Right. Great, so great I definitely love that. Funny, yeah. yeah, but yeah, if I have to rate this, it's a perfect five for me. I mean, oh. there's, there's it's a five out of five for me without Absolutely. a single. Now, let's talk about some stuff that you went through recently and everything too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because that's what I wanted to actually ca- capture, though. It's because a great of the parallel. fact, yeah, right. Because I kind of that, now this is what I got out of this whole thing was you saw this movie, everything that you went through in the last several months. You see this movie, you're seeing things through, like through a different angle now compared to where you were before. And I have to hand yep perspectives. And I just want to say this, man, I'm proud of you for the changes that you've made oh. and everything. And you, were, like I said, you also inspired me to want to actually try and work out now and stuff like yeah. that too. Uh, where it's better for my health, so I'm gonna start yeah. doing that soon. But um, you you had the coronavirus, man. You you went yeah. through above and beyond everything. Let's talk about that. All right. So um, July 14th, I uh, I had a really sore throat, and I thought I had tonsillitis. I go to the VA hospital, and that's when it started. Uh, I wasn't allowed to go into. The emergency room, they made me go into a, and remember, I'm a, I'm, I'm a disabled vet, so I go to the VA. I, when I went to the hospital because I had a sore throat, I had to go into a militarized COVID tent. And there's no way I could describe that to you, but I actually had a lot of PTSD being in that tent. I had a guy sit down right next to me that told me that he had not only COVID, but he had pneumonia. I freaked out, but the whole point of July 14th is that that was the day we found out that I suffer from tachycardia, which is my heartbeat uh, goes too fast. So from July July 14th to August 30th, I had uh, three or four tachycardic attacks where I had to go to the hospital. August 30th, I went into what I refer to as D-Day, and that's when I went into supraventricular tachycardia that's the point where uh my heart was racing so fast um there's no other way to say it that i i called 911 i was like this is it i'm done i really thought i was dying uh i i believe it if you want or not i saw death drive by i don't even want to go into that but i had my i saw a death two seconds later i was in the arms of the paramedic he said and i quote he's about to pop and that's when I had what caused all of this drama. I had what would end up being four failed adenosine pushes. So, you know, in the movies where you see someone like that's knocked out and they get like, they get jump started like a Jeep. Right. So since I was awake, they couldn't do that. I had an adenosine push, which, which is a chemical cardio conversion, whereas the, the shock is an electrical cardio conversion. So anywho, I had my first adenosine push and they didn't tell me it was about to happen. And I grabbed the, the paramedic's arm, and I go, I'm dying, I'm dying. And he goes, no, we should have told you we're giving you an adenosine push. It feels like death because an adenosine push actually stops your heart for like three to five seconds. So for three to five oh. seconds, your, your brain's going, but the rest of your body dies. And um, 
So I had the first two adenosine pushes in my front yard. They both failed. And um, they don't feel good. The second one, they doubled the dose. And when I had the adenosine push, I literally, my physical body did that thing where, uh, where it looks like you're getting shocked. When I did this, my soul floated out of my body. And I could, my soul literally floated out of my body on the second one for the three to five seconds that I was gone. Um, and then we rushed to the hospital. Uh, that's when they explained to me that I was still in SVT, supraventricular tachycardia. I had uh, adenosine push number three. Now, here's the thing. You're only allowed four. So at this point, I'm in the hospital. I'm on the gurney. Every single staff member of the emergency room was surrounding me. And I go, Doc, why is everyone in this room? He goes, you're the most important patient in the entire hospital right now. We're trying to save your life. And so they sat me up and they put a pad on my chest, on my heart, and they put another one on my back. And I was a combat medic in the army. I know what those pads were for. I knew I was about to get the shock. So they were like, all right, we're about to give you adenosine push number four. If it fails, we're going to knock you out and we're going to shock you. And um, the fourth one failed. And I just, I remember kind of waking up and things were better. Um, four failed adenosine pushes. Um, I literally had to check myself into uh, therapy because my mom said it the other day. She goes, the four failed adenosine pushes gave you PTSD really bad because I was afraid to be awake. Um, because I just didn't know if my heart was just going to stop or whatever. And then while I was in the hospital, I suffered from sleep apnea the best thing that could happen when your heart's going too fast is for it to slow down. You just kind of pass out and go to sleep. So every time that I would slow down and I would go to sleep, the nurses would come in running, rushing. They're like, oh, you're, you're choking, you're choking, you're not breathing. It's because I suffer from sleep apnea. At that point, I developed this mental problem where I did not feel safe asleep or awake. And I literally freaked out. And I told my brother, I was like, I got to take myself into the hospital. And I, I spent eight days in the hospital in recovery. And when I got out, um, it just, the whole thing completely, th- that was me falling in the hole. That was me falling into the, uh, the, the I, I fell into the hole. I fell, right. oh God. And um, it was very scary. It was really scary. And that was September 1st through September 8th. And when I checked into the hospital on September 1st, I weighed 330 pounds. And here's the thing. I had such a drive. I wanted to get better. I literally lost 15 pounds through diet and exercise while I was still in. And then when I got out, I kept it going. So that was from September 8th until something else happened. My mom got really sick and she ended up in the hospital. I was just really hardcore. I I remember that. I was, I was, I was walking every day. I was posting about my walks and that all stopped when my mom went into the hospital and I really had to pay attention to my little brother and make sure he was okay. And I kind of started eating trashy. So my mom was in the hospital for like a week and a half. And then as soon as my mom, which by the way, that was terrible. And I really got through the time that my mom was in the hospital by listening to a song called the great below by nine inch nails. And I watched a very particular performance of it. And I just, I really meditated on it, and that's how I got through it. And then, um, of course, the day that my mom got out of the hospital, we all went to Hobby Lobby, and we caught COVID. And that was that was the Friday. That was a Friday. And then on Monday, which was the 22nd, me and my brother got really sick. It was the 22nd of November. Um, on the 25th, I was tested for COVID. I found out I was positive on the 27th. And so we went through COVID and it was awful. We, I, I was in this room by myself. My mom was in her room. My brother was in his room. My brother is still going through like post COVID um, syndrome symptoms. Um, and, and so am I, we're all like, my hair fell out. I had to get a haircut. Um, it's been rough. It's been a rough I'm... couple of months, but then on December 8th, I brought home this little guy. And let me tell you something, <laughs> this little, this little guy, man, he really brought my whole family together. I mean, like the whole, it just, so yeah, it, it was, it's been rough and, and I'm ready. I'm really ready to get back on the diet. Like, uh, from the time that September 1st started to the time that, uh, 
right before my mom went down to the hospital, I lost 40 pounds through nutrition and exercise because I was just, I had that desire. I did not want to die. Just like Joe, I did not want to die. I fought it and I fought it and I fought it and I ran from the great beyond. I ran from the great beyond. I was like, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. And just. I'm uh, glad you're still here, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been just insane. And here's the thing. What I really want to drive home about all of this. I am not special. Everyone on this earth right now is going through COVID. Everyone's going through their mom being sick. Everyone's got their own perspective. Everyone's got their own thing going on. So, I mean, I'm not special. I'm not different. We're all going through it. And at the end of the day, my mom's still alive. My brother's still alive. I'm still alive. I got my Lloyd. So just like Joe says at the end of the movie, I'm going to spend every minute of it living. I'm going to do my best just to not take life for granted and just just do my best to live life. Right. And just exactly. I pray I pray for all of us 2021 turns around because 2020 was a harsh mistress for the entire world. I mean, COVID has I now agree. reached COVID has now reached every body of land in the world. And I, you know, I remember being in my truck in my happy place before going in to watch cats and hearing them talk about COVID. And I, I knew it was coming. I knew this time last year, I knew it was coming. And I think that that's when I found that happiness of, okay, this is what my happy place is. Doesn't matter what it is, no matter how bad or dark or abandoned you feel. If you can find happiness in your life, if you can find your spark, if you can find your purpose, hold on to that shit. And don't let it go. And don't let anyone tell you any different. You know, exactly, so man. It, 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 it's come full circle in the last year. <laughs> Let's see. Tara actually has some stuff to say to you. She goes, I bet I have a cat to help me with depression and anxiety. She goes, I'm I'm glad you're here, too, Jason. And, well, and you're Rocky. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad everyone that's here is here, you know. Right. I, I, and. Like I said, your inspiration, though, man. I mean, oh, I know that well. I'm just going to say that. I mean, look, anybody else would have given up and everything and stuff like that. But you fought right on through all that. I know it was difficult for you, all those trials and tribulations and everything. Yeah. And now yeah. you can actually inspire others and everything, too. And that's just an amazing thing where you experience this thing that was so scary yeah. for you. And now... You actually get to be a beacon. You actually get to be a light in somebody else's life. And I don't, where you can actually let this light shine. I don't want anyone in this world, whether they are a friend or an enemy, I don't want anyone to ever go through four failed adenosine pushes. It was just, I don't want anyone to ever go through no. that. I don't want to go through it again. I, I don't. That's why. I, I like I had to, I had to give up all forms of cannabis. I had to quit drinking. I you know like I told my mom I was like oh the party's over and she goes no Jason another party just began and she was right. so right she was so right you know the party isn't over right. another party just began exactly man you know when one party leaves there's always another party it may look different people yeah, may yeah. look different and everything it's, but it's still a party. It, yeah. it, it, all, it all goes back to that shift in perspective. And I'm so glad that you, right. know, you and I have talked about doing a podcast for a long time. I'm really glad we started with soul because me too. It really, I felt like the just, timing to me, I felt like the timing is right for this, yeah. for us to actually do this, especially everything yeah. you've been through and you yeah. wanted to lay everything down and everything tonight though, too, yeah. you know, and I felt like this doing the movie review and then doing this perspective yeah. and everything. I yeah. think this was a way to actually bring things into perspective and to be a beacon into somebody else's life and everything too. We also have someone from Australia. Hello, Susie. Thank you again for commenting. Thank you again Hello. last night. Hello. Good eye, Mike. <laughs> but yeah. Good day, mate. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah. I, um, I, I feel like I've been a terrible guest. I feel like I've been interrupting you and stuff like that. I've never done no. anything like that. So I hope I haven't no. ruined your podcast. <laughs> no, dude, no. If anything, you enhanced it and everything. You gave a different perspective on life. You enhanced it. You didn't, 
You, matter of fact, you crushed this episode. I'm just going to be honest it. in a good way. I killed yeah, it. Yeah, you killed it. I killed it. it. <laughs> and, you know, man, I'm, I'm also going to say this, though, too. I mean, I know that we talked about doing a podcast for a while. I would like to actually have you back on again. Of course, oh, you're also one of my admins. Plus, you're one of my admins for the page as well. So yeah, that's yeah, another yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I like the movies that people don't like. I love Cats. <laughs> I love Dark Phoenix. Like, I, I, I own it. I stand by it. Like, I, the movies that I like are not... Yeah. Like, please don't make me sit through the Wall Street. Hey, uh, what, was the, what, what was that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? The 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 Wall Street whatever movie. What, what was that one called? With Margot Robbie and Leo DiCaprio. Oh, the, the, uh, the, Wolf, of Wall, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please don't make me sit through that. Like, that's not my kind of what? movie. I I I know. I didn't like that one. I was so bored. I didn't like it. I love the movies that people typically don't like, like Cats, Dark Phoenix. Uh, Even as my friend Roxy, every single time she would call me, I would always say I'm watching The Wolf of Wall Street. And she would go, again? Yeah. <laughs> so, but... Everyone you know, has their own opinion, though. That's the thing right, that I love right. about movies. Every, it's so subjective. I hated... The first time that I viewed Wonder Woman 84, God, I was just like, are you kidding but and, and every time that I posted online some something negative, someone posted, hey, I loved it. And I would make sure that I said, I'm really glad that you liked it. And I genuinely mean right. that because I don't like right. it when people tell, tell me that the movies that I like, right. you know, so exactly. that's the beautiful thing. We all have a different perspective. And I, I have this big thing. I will always appreciate other people's perspective and opinion. I would never want to take it away from them. Mm -hmm. Same here, man. Like, all movies are subjective. One person might see this movie as a piece of art. Somebody might see as a piece of art as a piece of crap. You know, it's yeah, all yeah, part yeah. of perspective again. Yeah, yeah, Another yeah. thing, though, too, is, you know what? I think that I might actually do this as a challenge for a Patreon or do something to where okay. you challenge me to watch Cats. And you know me and Cats. <laughs> oh you know God. me in that movie. Here's the thing. That I do like, not... I do not suggest that anyone watches Cats sober. You really definitely need to be in an altered state of mind. Either it be alcohol or whatever your deal, whatever your drink of choice is, whatever it may be. If, yeah. You know, like, uh, but yeah, Cats, I, we'll talk, we'll go into more of that later. But I actually had a yeah. deeply profound learning experience. It really didn't have much to do with the movie. It had a little bit to do with the movie. It really had more or less to do with learning about life. Right. All right. So that's pretty much everything that we wanted to talk about with uh, Soul. Soul. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to, to no, this or I, anything? Or? No, I just, I got to mention the shift in perspective, the maple tree, and the, the, I loved that the pie scene was negative in the beginning when he, he thought his life was a failure, but at the end it was a good thing. I just, it is a wonderful movie. Five stars. Two thumbs up. I agree. And Roxy, to just to answer your, <laughs> I agree. And Roxy, just to answer your question, was it that bad? This was my face during the cats re, uh, preview. So I'm like, I was like this the whole time. <laughs> you but, know what? I thought cats was awful the first time I saw it. Like I was like, what in the hell it just happened? Like what is going on? But we're gonna do a but, cats. We'll do an official cats review sometime. You know what? We might actually do. I wish there was like a way that YouTube didn't flag me to do like a reaction to me actually watching cats and seeing how long I can actually go through watching cats. That would be so a good challenge. You haven't seen it yet, correct? No, I only saw the previews for the, the, the first time. I will say this the first time you watch cats, you have no idea what's going on. It's just like one cat sings a song and then another and then another. Like you, it's just, I, I will admit that the first time you watch it, it's just, it is an attack on the senses. It really is. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for the show. I appreciate you, Jason, for being on the show, man. I'm glad that we finally were able to do this. We've been talking about this for a while. It's great having you on. You crushed it. You did great. Thank you um, for having me. So you're very welcome, man. Anytime. And I just want to mention this. I'm probably going to have Quentin Bennett back on the show for an, he's actually the independent uh, comic book uh, writer that I actually interviewed a couple of months back, but I had him on again for the, let's see, the National Lampoon's Christmas movie review. I had him on okay. there for that. 
okay. and things like and also Friday the 13th review. We can have Bernie. So I am on here several other times. All right. But we're actually going to do a what if, a Star Wars what if scenario, making okay. our own fan theories and stuff right. and everything. If this situation didn't happen, what would actually happen? So oh, we're going to wow. do that sometime soon. And I would like to actually invite you whenever we actually come up with a day for that. I so, am okay. And another thing, too, guys, if you guys want to, you guys don't have to. I understand this coronavirus has everybody wallets and shambles right now. But if you want to and you feel good heartedly, go ahead, go to the GoFundMe page below. Another thing, too, guys, is we're actually sponsored by Audible, and we're only uh, sponsored by Audible until the end of the month. And you get your 30 day subscription if you go on ahead, hit the link below. And of course, guys, you guys can also follow me on Twitter at John DeGorio8, or you can follow me on Movie Lovers Unit. You can also email me at MovieLoversUnite uh, at gmail.com. And of course, we also have a Pinterest, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. We also have a webpage for all your entertainment needs and wants. It's www.MovieLoversUnite.com. And always until next time, guys, it's been great. It's been wonderful. Have a happy new year. Happy new year to you too, Jason. Always until next time. Bye-bye.